0: As we get ourselves reconstituted, we want to know who we are. People matter, okay, friends? People matter. And whether they are those precious girls that sang for us this morning, okay, or high schoolers who bring a foreign exchange student with them, or some of the oldest people that we have in this congregation. We have people in this congregation. That I think we might have a couple turning 90 this year. All right. It does not matter any of that. What matters is that they're a part of us and we care about them and they matter and they matter to God and they're here for a reason and for a time, a season and so we're thankful for all of this. Now in order to make sure we know who everybody is, we also are trying to put together a pictorial directory and this year we're trying to do it in-house. And so uh, that kind of got delayed a little bit at the end of the season here as things went wonky on us. So we're picking that up again. And Brenda has sent out an email encouraging people to fill out a form that she found somewhere in Cyber World. And if you have not yet gotten a picture to us so that we can have it with information for you, um, no matter what, check out that form if you would and that email. Brenda is available after church today. If you've not sent in your information, she said, would you ask them to stop and talk to me so we can kind of get this thing tidied up, so we can get this thing out uh, to our people? And we're going to find out who we have become reconstituted as in the course of now, as of this fall. And I would also like to ask, even though some people like Randy and Robin have broken our hearts and left, Would you please get your information to us? Because there's people still going to want to know how to get in touch with you. So don't go, well, we're not part of that. We want you in that, okay? So that's important that uh, people who have been with us recently still get a part of this so we can maintain our contacts with them. Is that okay? Everybody good on that? All right. So I always have that question uh, that, Lord, what's going to go on here? What exactly is happening? The prophet Jeremiah, actually, the text which he's writing for us today is an answer to a question that he had. Now, let's just set up briefly the context in which Jeremiah is ministering. Jeremiah ministered over a great length of time. But the, the prophecies we have from, uh, from this particular time frame, here's what's happening in Jerusalem. They are literally under siege by Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah is called to prophesy something not real popular. You know how in politics, when somebody tells the truth, a lot of people get upset? Okay, not real popular, and that is, no matter how hard you try to resist this siege, you are going to fall before Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to drag you away back to Babylon. It's happening. It's happening because of God's judgment upon the nation. Because of your sin. In that context, while that's all unfolding, and Jeremiah's got this prophecy that says, prophesy that they're going to fall and be dragged away. I want you to buy some land. And that creates a question for Jeremiah. If we're about to fall and be dragged away, why are you asking me to purchase land? And when you've done all the right things that are there, what you're going to do is you're going to take the title deeds, you're going to put them in clay pots, in reading that, all I can think of is the Dead Sea Scrolls, where they found all sorts of things in clay pots. You're going to put them there. And so Jeremiah asked the question, what's up, Lord? <laughs> we're being dragged away, and you're telling me to buy land. And ultimately, maybe we'll pick up a little bit as to what it is, if not, I'll try and remember to explain it when we're done. There's more than, here's let's put it in this succinct way, there's more than just being carried away into Babylon, that is, in God's plans, for, uh, for Israel. So in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 1, we're in the middle of all this mix that I've described to you. He's asked that question back in chapter 32, why are you having me do this? Verse 33, verse 1, we pick up, moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison. By the way, they threw him there for all his popular prophecies about, eh, sorry, you're going to be taken away into Babylon. King was like, hey, Don't like that, can throw you in prison for saying that, okay? So there he is. Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Here's our scripture memory verse for this week. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds, and the sword. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury, all for whose wickedness I have hidden my face from this city. So he says, they're going to come. They're going to try and defend themselves against this siege that is being brought against the city of Jerusalem, but they're going to lose. They're going to come there to die because my judgment is on them. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return. And we will rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all nations of the earth, who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me. I read that and I think in terms of what we looked at last week. Remember the people who foolishly made idols out of wood or stone or they fashioned them with metal and then they bowed down to them and said, You are my God. There's no dynamic there. Those gods cannot respond to them. Those gods that they made with their own hands cannot do anything on their behalf. They cannot hear the prayers that are made to them. There is no dynamic, no back and forth, nothing at all that is happening other than the foolish worship of those who create their own idols. But the Creator God, the one and only God of the entire universe, He speaks, call to me. He speaks to His people and then says to them, now you speak back to me, call to me, and then I will show you things that you don't even begin to understand. Great and mighty things. Some translations will say hidden things. The idea of the word behind that is things which are actually secured. They're fortified that they will not be found out. So the only way for them to be made known is for God, who has fortified them, made them unknowable, to reveal them. And that's what he is saying to Jeremiah call to me. I am the God who answers. I am the God who is involved in what's happening both with Israel, with Jerusalem, and with you, Jeremiah. That's why I have asked you to purchase this land. Call to me. I'll reveal some things to you. And here's what he reveals. Yes. You're purchasing the land. You're putting all the documents in place. You're putting them in clay pots so that they can be recovered later because, yes, 70 years this people is going to be in Babylon because of their sin. They are going to be defeated. But in 70 years, I begin bringing them back. And that's why those documents about title deeds and who owns the land need to be in a proper place because these people are going to be restored to the land. So, effectively, it becomes a promise through Jeremiah that God's not done with Israel. He does, just doesn't send them off, give them a weapon, and say, well, forget about you. He's like, no, I'm disciplining you, but I will bring you back in this place, Jerusalem, the capital of my people of Israel, will once again be exalted in a place where I can have great joy and great pleasure. So, friends, here's what it comes down to. I want just to fill in the notes, and then I want to go from there. In the dynamic between God and his people, that dynamic recognized in God God speaking, saying, you call back to me, I will respond to you, I will reveal things to you. In the dynamic between God and his people, God is not the question. God is not the question. You see, his answer to Jeremiah indicates he's two steps ahead. See, Jeremiah looks one step ahead and said, why would I buy land when I'm just going to be put into captivity? That doesn't make sense. God says, I've got two steps in mind. You're coming back. And that's why it matters that there is this promise put in place by having those deeds in clay pots where they can be recovered. Now that speaks to me, friends, because of my question that I said I have every fall. Lord, who are we going to be this fall? Because I find it painful to see people go. I mean, it is it is personally painful for me to lose my friends right here, whom I've loved and we've ministered together and God has used them so significantly for so many years. And you can't discount that kind of thing that people have an influence. I'm, I would bet 95% chance probability that somebody who Jeremy and Carrie were influencing to be a part of us last year will not be back again. We won't, I'm, I'd, I'd bet that. I'd take that bet right now that we won't see him again. Why? Because God was using them and they were positively impacting someone. And, uh, yeah, it's just painful. Um, I mean, I have, I have thought it many, many times. The reason, when you think, well, what kind of a lasting impact, right? Think of Randy and Robin. Okay, why do we have Evan here? Why did we have a Josh here before that? Okay, because Randy and Robin were used of the Lord to bring the youth ministry so far down the line that they're the next appropriate step was to bring somebody on staff full-time that's how significant their ministry was and then they're gone from us painful but that isn't the only reason we lose people you know some people they get a little upset with things their nose gets out of shape and so well I'm not going back there again all right that's painful there are people who for whatever reason and this always feels personal to me although they might claim it's not because they don't tell you they just quit coming And I think, well, Lord, obviously I didn't have what was necessary to minister to them. And they just quit coming. And yet you have no idea why. There's some people who decide that, you know what, that whole church thing, that was an interesting part of my life. I did the church scene. Uh, But I'm done. I'm over that. I got other things I'm going to spend my time on. Not worth my time. Painful. Painful but we come back. Something. The Lord brings us back. Some, some constitution of people who are here. And what I have to remember in all of this is God is two steps ahead. I'm looking at, what are we going to do? You know, Randy and Robin are here this weekend. They're only visiting. What are we going to do? And God's like, I'm two steps ahead. You realize that? You're looking at one step. But I'm ahead. And I think one verse that we just pulled from the New Testament just to put on our thing, and then we're going to look at the, back at the bulletin, actually. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus Christ is building his church. And I have to cling to that. And I have to hold on to that. That sometimes when things don't operate the way that I wish they would operate... I have to hold on to the fact that Jesus Christ is building his church and nothing will stop it. Just as nothing would stop the Babylonians from coming in, taking over Jerusalem, who was trying to resist the siege, and nothing would stop God from releasing the uh, Israelites out of Babylon after seven years and bringing them back. Nothing was going to stop that, and nothing is going to stop the fact that Christ is building his church. So by faith we move forward as a wonderful, reconstituted group of God's people, the body of Christ here, who call the new fold the Evangelical Free Church their church home. And we say, Lord, thank you for what we've just experienced, the ministry seen this summer and just the gazillion things that went on. And, and if you came here on one Sunday, you'd see, well, it doesn't seem to many people in attendance and this and that. You go, wait, it isn't happening here. It's happening in so many other ways during the course of this summer. And it was significant and important, and I am convinced God used every one of those ministries as well as the ones which we have not even noted. But now we're back to a ministry that forms itself more in this way of the the regularities that we follow through the school year. And it's a delight and a privilege. And so in the bulletin, I wrote it this way. And I didn't know in writing this that I would be using it, honestly. After I wrote it, I went, this has just become something I have to say Sunday morning. So I could have either changed it or said, no, let's put it in print so people will have it to be able to refer back to it if they so choose. And you'll see at the end, about halfway down, I said, so we gather to do life together as a newly reconstituted body of believers who have a God dynamically involved with us who's two steps ahead. He knows where he's leading us. The question is, are we willing to get on board? Are we willing to be a part? Are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of what God is wanting to do here? See, that's where the question mark is. Not in God. It's in us. So let's just review a few thoughts, if we could, here. All right? Here's here's and, and we could make the list longer than this. We're not going to. We could have. But as we've gathered back together now, let's think about these thoughts. The quality of your experience and mine of doing life with us as a church is directly related to the contact you have with us. Directly related. I I always, and I'm sure I've mentioned this at some point through the years, but I always find it difficult And I have experienced it within my own greater family. When I hear someone say, I tried the church thing, it didn't work for me. What do you mean you tried the church thing? You went a couple times and said, well, I guess that's not for me. The church thing is not attending a service once or twice and and saying, well, I didn't quite get anything out of that, so I guess I'll keep looking for something else. The church thing is engaging with other brothers and sisters in Christ where we minister to them and they minister to us and our lives become interconnected we care for one another we know one another we love one another we're aware of one another that's why we brought Mylin up today because she's going to be a part of us and being younger it'd be easy for her just to get lost in the crowd like no there's somebody here and we need to be able to connect with them So there are those who just give this quick thing of, I did the church thing. Or the other thing that I have seen happen is people who are identified with one church for a long period of time, but very sporadic in any connection to the church. And they somehow wonder why they always have this... uh, this sense that, what, what would I say? Maybe their voice isn't heard. Maybe people aren't investing in their life the way they should. Maybe they're not, um, maybe they're not being um, received the way they would like. And I'm like, dude, you've got to understand. We're just people. When you're gone, as much as you're gone, there's three quarters of this church don't even know who you are. Why, because you show up, should they think, I don't care if you've been here 20 years, 30 years, coming sporadically. Why, because you show up sporadically, should you think somehow all these people should then give you great respect because you're a long-time member of this church. You understand what I'm saying? People, the quality of your experience, the quality of my experience of doing life with us is directly related to your contact with us. And if you separate yourself from us, we have, we'd love to have you. It breaks our heart. But it's when you get involved with us when good things can happen. So, the, out, the, out, the application of that is simply attend regularly. That's simple. Be a part of us. Second, find a ministry where you can get personally involved. We're at the outset of the year. Ministries need help. Oh, man, I am so thankful for the people who were with us out, on the, uh, out at the Five Cent Family Fun Fair yesterday. We needed everybody that was there. We needed about eight more bodies because we had a lot of people running two or three stands, but God raised up some people who at the spur of the moment saw what was happening. He's like, whoa, you came up short on people. Here, let me run this game for you. And it mattered. It mattered that they were there to run the game. Because we had lines of kids at one game after another. Because we needed the help that was there. It was, the place was packed yesterday. We need bodies. All right? Awana always is needing more help. Always. There will be no... Uh, nobody at the, at, the, uh, at the Christian Education uh, Committee who would think ill of you, if you said, can can I help in some area of ministry? Do you need something in a nursery? Do you need somebody to teach children's church? Do you need a Sunday school teacher? Is there some place I can connect? They will not go, who do you think you are? They will fall on their knees and hug you around your knees and say, thank you. Yes, we need help. But you see, God has called everybody to some place of service. Ephesians 2.10 says that. So find that place where your giftedness can be utilized. Now, that may not actually be in a structured ministry we have right here. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm saying find that place that God has called you to serve, and you're going to find this whole service body of Christ thing. When your gifts are being utilized effectively, you're going to find it as a very, very good thing. But I'm willing to bet a lot of people sitting here, their ministry could be right here within what happens in the course of this next year. Okay, number three. There is no perfect ministry here because there are no perfect people here. With a right attitude and a servant's heart, think of this. With a right attitude and a servant's heart, you can improve whatever less than perfect ministry God calls you to. Everything about that? You could bring the improvement with the right attitude in a servant's heart. Probably told you this story too, but it impacted my life. A number of years ago, I'm going to give you the short version. A guy came unannounced to me at the church and after we had just had six months of incredible ministry, And he began to recount the story of this pastor that he talked to and how bad they had done this. And he heard a story of this pastor and how they had failed at this. And he'd heard a story about this and this pastor. And he listed about three different pastors and how they had done things poorly. And then he looks at me squarely. He says, tell me, pastor, is there something wrong with the church? He was egging me for a battle. He was egging me to try and defend these pastors who, number one, I don't know who any of them were. I don't know if he told me the truth. I don't know if he lied to me. I don't know. I have nothing by which to verify what he said. Kind of like that opinion piece from the anonymous person that everybody just assumed it's all absolutely honest and straightforward. Does anybody ask the question on that? Like, well, let, let, me, see, let me see here. You're willing to, without, like Cap, Colin Kaepernick, who, right, sacrifices everything, Uh, To stand for something, you want to protect yourself completely. You put this out anonymously, and I'm supposed to believe everything you said is true when you won't stand up for it? Hello? Doesn't make sense to me. I'm not buying that it's all true because I have no way, so I'm not going to listen to It's my perspective. So here's this guy. He's trying to tell me all this stuff. I'm thinking, I have no idea to know if this is true or not, but I know the answer to his question. Tell me, pastors, there's something wrong with the church. I gave him the honest answer. Of course. Now let me tell you why. Because God calls people like me to be pastors. And I got problems. So, we got ministries that need help, that need your giftedness. And they're not perfect. You could help them, not by coming in and being critical, not by stepping in and thinking you're going to fix everything, but coming in with a servant's heart and a good attitude and using your giftedness. To serve for the sake of the kingdom, you will enhance whatever ministry God calls you to. Isn't that pretty powerful to think? Huh? You could make something better this year than it has ever been because you got involved with your gifts and a right attitude in a servant's heart. That's something to think about, all right? Number four, let's be real about this. You will encounter hurting people here. They need your encouragement. I'm afraid sometimes that when I speak to this issue, you guys take it, um, you might not really pay attention to it because I've said it so often, but I'm not going to quit saying it. Like on that, remember again Sunday, or uh, uh, remind me again Sunday, where we have you greet one another, take a little more time with it, learn a name, let's take a little effort with this once a month. And what do I continually say to you? Speaks to all of us, myself included. There are people here who are hurting. And you don't know the hurt they bear. You have no idea what that hurt is. We had somebody in our fellowship last Sunday is in deep pain, devastating pain. That's why they showed up here. They would not typically be in our church not where they wanted to be. They believe God led them. They wanted to be somewhere else. But due to an extremely painful situation, they will never be at that place again to worship. And they were here. I met with them uh, later in the week. And the first thing that was said to me, you have no idea what a blessing it was to be in your church on Sunday." You have no idea what that meant to us. We were so blessed. We were so encouraged. And you know what this brother pointed out to me? He said, by the spirit of fellowship that we saw in your church. We saw a group of people who were looking to connect with each other, who were being the body of Christ. And the thing that had them in such deep pain is that the body of Christ had Horrifically dealt with them do you know do you have any idea people who the person is who identifies with our church to look at them you would say man for their age they are in great shape but they have learned in the last few months that they have a condition that could take them out right now you wouldn't know it to look at them you'd be envious of the way they look and yet, they have a medical condition that they worry will take them out right now. You wouldn't know that, would you? You have no clue as to what that is. You have, I, I, I could not tell you the, 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 twice, twice now, it has been brought to, different, to entirely different situations over the course of the last summer ministry of situations the kind that show up in the news and when they show up in the news we shake our heads and we go how does that happen how does that happen twice and the people and some people could directly connected to it have been in this fellowship and they're bearing that pain you don't know who they are by looking at them do you so i say you know what friends And we could go on and on and on with that. That's why I say, when when people come in, these are holy, holy people. They are people whom God loves. And He desires that we are available to minister to them. Because they come in and they need, and I say it, they need the touch of God's love from someone. I'm not blowing smoke. So, Being here and mixing in with the people of God allows us that opportunity. And I promise you, those who ministered to the people who were here last week in great pain had no idea what a blessing they were to just greet and care for and just love the people who were there, who were strangers to them for the most part. They had no idea how much it meant to those in pain. So, it's not like somebody's going to necessarily say to say, Hey, hey, sister, sister, my sister in Christ, I just want to tell you, I came in here today. I'm dying inside, and you reached out and you gave me a hug or you gave me a handshake. You let me know I was welcome. I just want you to know you changed my life today. They're not going to do that. We take by faith that we've offered through by sharing God's love that He's using that to minister to these places which is why I find it so important and I try and remind us all, please do this because we don't know where the hurt is. But God, if we are open to love on his behalf, will use our love, his love, through us to minister to people who are hurting. Let's keep moving. New people, during the course of this year, new people will be showing up. Please, 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 Please welcome them. Talk to them. Find out what their interests are. Look, look what we have listed here. Look at all the ministries that are listed. Just this alone, Bible Bible studies available for post high school adults. Look at all that is available there. All right, we have ministry to youth. We have ministry to grade uh, to the Awana age kids. We've got ministries to moms. We got ministries all over the place because there are people who care. Hey, welcome the visitor and, and, and maybe take a little bit of time with them if you can. I realize we all think church is done. I got to go. I got this. I got that. But how would things change if we were able to say, you know what? God's doing an eternal work here and there's a kingdom thing going on here and Jesus is building his church and just maybe today he'd have me slow down long enough to greet someone who looks like they could be new I don't recognize them and so I'm going to go meet them I'm going to greet them and if they are new make sure that we welcome them to do life with us. Um, today, Mandy was up here earlier. Did she leave? Where is she at? Mandy? Oh, here she is. And I mentioned something to Mandy today. Now I'm going to say specifically what it was. Mandy said something to me years ago that stuck with me. I've shared it with you. We need to be reminded on these things, Friends. Mandy said something years ago. Because I was talking to people, I was asking specifically, what happens when you go to a church? Because as I've told you, I, we get the heroes' welcome. Rochelle and Evan, they get the heroes' welcome when they come. We're all glad you're here. We need you. Come, serve. Woo-hoo. We, we you know, have a dinner for you and serve cake and everybody wants to meet you. That doesn't happen to everybody who comes in here for the first time. And Mandy said churches have down cold how to greet you at the door. They know what to do there. They don't know what to do with you once you walk in the door and get past the greeters. They don't know what to do with you. Wow. Wow. I know what we could do with them. We can pay attention to new faces. We can pay attention to just face people we don't know yet. We can pay attention and uh, make it clear that there's a place for you here. There's a place for you here. Come sit next to me. I'm absolutely convinced nobody will stick around unless someone says, here's a seat, it's for you. They'll come, they'll visit, they'll maybe say, we say nice things, we're friendly at the door, we have nice singing, all of that is good. But until someone says, here is a place for you, This empty seat is for you. It's been waiting for you. They will be gone shortly. Some will stay a little longer than others in trying to figure out if they're going to fit in here, but unless somebody gives them a place, they will be gone. So please, please understand, God can use you for eternity just by giving people a place. And lastly comes back to where we are here now. As individuals and a church body, we are always changing. And we've talked about how we've we've changed since the end of the year because of people that we've lost. But as individuals, we're changing too. Some of us have been through a medical procedure this past summer and we might not ever physically be the same as we were. Or we're a whole lot better (laughs) But we're different than we were at the beginning of the summer. We maybe have had an experience that's changed our our view on how much we really like being involved with the church. We maybe are at a point of just grieving great loss because of a close family member who has died or a close friend. A gazillion things. What I noticed in getting on the bus again this week was how much these kids that I was driving just three months ago, how much they have changed. They've grown up. Three months in a kid's life, they change. One kid I didn't even recognize. I honestly did not recognize. I had to ask, who is that? Oh, (laughs) he had changed so much on me, I did not even know who it was. And I've driven him for the last two years. We are always changing. But God is not. God's not changing. His plans to build the church are not changing. Hebrews, we saw, tells us Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we look to him in all of these things because he alone is the one who doesn't change. So I hope I don't, I want to say that because I don't want to come across as like negative or discouraging or all these things. No, I want to come across as this, okay? God's two steps ahead of us. He's building the church. He already knows what he is going to be doing. That's not the question. The question is us. Are we willing to step into what he's doing and where he's calling us in that one particular place with our giftedness to be a part of what he's doing? Or do we kind of go, well, I don't think so. I got a pretty full life. I don't think there's enough time to to really trust God to direct me on where he would have me to be at this point in kingdom service. So I'll, I'll pass, thank you. See, that's where the question mark is, right? We're all going to leave here today and wrestle with this. Hmm. Hmm. What about that? God's not wrestling. He's continuing to build the church. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are so good. Thank you that you've given us such a rich, rich summer together. It was amazing, Lord. And there's so many things for which we praise you where you are hands-on involved and where you touched lives and we saw people actively engaged in kingdom service. Father, for that we thank you and we praise you, Lord. And we anticipate that as, as you made it clear to Jeremiah, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and wonderful things you do not yet know. Oh, Lord, I pray that we will trust you for that. We will trust you that you're two steps ahead of us and in that we will let you we will let you take us through this next step and we'll answer that call upon our lives where you would have us be involved in kingdom service. And so we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.